Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with our spirit. Almighty, all-living, all-loving God, thee who we address as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you this evening recognizing and acknowledging that we are nothing and you are everything. We come before you, Lord, and pray that you would accept this that we offer unto you, though it be nothing. Nonetheless, Lord, it's all we have. And we give you, Lord, the praise of our lips. We give you, Lord, the love that we have in our heart for you. We come before you, Lord, and we tell you that we worship you, we adore you, and we pray that you would be with us this evening in a mighty way, that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would be with us, that you would guide us, and that you would draw us close to you. In thy holy name. Amen. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this time together. Lord, there's no use being here if it's not you that speaks through us, through all of us, Lord, not just someone behind the pulpit or whoever has been in your reading. Not that there's no respect of persons, Lord, we're all equals here. The Old Testament reading. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. This is obviously a messianic psalm and it's really our Lord speaking of, our Lord saying this. But nevertheless, if he doesn't give us a tongue to speak, then we don't have a word um, to speak to him that's that is weary and also that he wakens our ear to hear as the learned so it's both things it's he must give us a tongue to speak and he must also give us an ear to hear hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus 1 Corinthians chapter 1 I'll begin at verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God 
and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men for ye see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen yea and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are God has chosen this he has chosen that it will be things that are so nothing in themselves that they actually are not he has chosen those things to put away and to cut off those things which are something and the things which are despised and the base things of the world God has chosen This is a deep thought. The things that are not. Are we willing? Are we willing to be that which is not? Are we willing to basically have no existence? Are we willing to become that which is not? Because that is what God has chosen. He has chosen the things that are not to bring to naught or to bring to nothing those things which are and why why has he chosen the things which are not that no flesh should glory in his presence no flesh good flesh religious flesh uh, upstanding pillars of society flesh no flesh should glory in his presence but of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that or for this purpose according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord we have nothing within ourselves to glory our glory is only in him he is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption we do not attain these things we do not set ourselves upon a a plan to we're going to study the bible from front to back and we're going to gain wisdom and we're going to we're going to have all the 
chapters under our belt and we're going to have the understanding and no Christ is made unto us wisdom and we have no righteousness of our own we the prophet Jeremiah says that the actual name of the Lord is the Lord our righteousness and I know we all know the scripture that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags and while we were singing this hymn two of the lines jumped out at me which I hadn't even purposely done this the second verse Christ and his cross my only plea there will be no other plea before the Lord when we stand before him nothing except the cross of Christ nothing we will not be standing before the Lord in our own righteousness uh, in our own sanctification uh, in our own wisdom because we are that which is not and then in the fourth verse nor alms nor deeds that I have done can for a single sin atone to Calvary alone I flee O God be merciful to me nor alms nor deeds that I have done can for a single sin atone we cannot we cannot atone for our sins there is not any amount of works that we can do that we're going to be able to stand before the Lord you know the hymn when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne and so the standing before the throne is his righteousness that we are clothed in now this is a, a hard concept to get a hold of sometimes it takes a Christian many years to finally come to the point where real, they realize that uh, they are no more righteous than the first day when they got saved that it's his righteousness that's imputed to us and I wanted to go back to the gospel reading also in Mark but just really one verse verse 35 for whosoever will save his life shall lose it but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it are we willing to jump off that cliff are we willing to lose our lives to be that which is not or do we come to the Lord to get our needs met are we willing to give up our own problems our own needs our own seekings and strugglings just give them up die to it be dead are we willing to lose our own lives because that is the only door into this deeper experience of Christ our righteousness it is the only door and you know how our Lord said that they followed him because of the miracles 
they followed him because of all of the things that he was doing to heal the people and and they were following him basically for their own needs to be met but then when it came to the cross and him saying are you willing to take up the cross and lose your own life don't seek me for these things don't seek me for these miracles that's where they turned back so it's a it's a question of of the things of the deeper life in the Lord if we want to come into experiencing him being made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption we have to take that step of being willing to lose our own lives that no flesh should glory in his presence when we stand before the Lord what does the book of Revelation say we're going to do with our crowns we're going to receive crowns for certain things that we follow the Lord in but what are we going to do with them we're going to lay them at his feet we're going to lay them at his feet because ultimately he was the winner of the crown I'm also turning to the book of Hebrews you don't need to turn there I've just got a couple verses I want to read whose voice then shook the earth but now he hath promised saying yet once more I shake not the earth only but also heaven and this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire will we take that place to let that shaking come upon our lives to let it shake us down to the place where we become that which is not that only that which cannot be shaken will remain and the only thing that cannot be shaken is the Lord Jesus Christ himself so he says that he's going to that he's quoting uh, from the, one of the prophets in the Old Testament yet once more I shake not the earth only but also heaven and so you can apply that to you can look at it as a symbolic of our outward our regular life our outward life and also of our inner life both of those things are going to be shaken are we willing are we willing to go to the point where we are going to let him shake everything not, I'm not talking about necessarily circumstances because I think all of us have come to a place where you know we 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 uh, we offer the, our lives up to the Lord. You know we we know that we experience shakings in our in our family situations and everything. All of us have that, and we've offered that up to Him, and we walk in faith in it. And I think this body of believers is very strong in that, really. But are we going to let our heaven be shaken? Are we going to take a further step? into realizing we are truly have nothing to stand before God except the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ 
And as a body, are we willing? Are we willing to be shaken? And we have been shaken down to this tiny little group. And the Lord has a purpose in that. And he is shaking everything. And we have entered into a time when all of the things of the church realm are being shaken. Universally, whatever church it is, whatever denomination it is, uh, whatever body of believers it is, we are all experiencing this shaking, this shaking, 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 and it's going to be shaken down to that which will fall away, will fall away, and the kernel of that one thing that is Jesus Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is where we will live and where we will be plugged into like the branch into the vine. And that is truly the taking up of the cross and being willing to lose your life. Are we willing? Are we willing to lose our lives for his sake and for the gospels, no matter what it takes? Amen. say something in response or, or at least as, as a addendum to what, what Susan was saying and for some reason for the last few weeks I have really as Bob and Peter know I've really been arrested with the concept of the fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom I was thinking it was just like Learning the ABCs is the beginning of, of language. Or learning 1 plus 1 equals 2 is the beginning of math. As we become more proficient in our language, as we become more adroit in mathematics, we don't forsake those building blocks. We don't throw away the fact that we learn the ABCs. We don't throw away that 1 and 1 is 2 and 2 times 2 is 4 and all. That's the building block that we're still standing upon. And I feel, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, maybe it is something that's in the world now, but I feel like we've been given the short shift, if you will, kind of a raw deal as Christians when it comes to understanding God. I think there has been such an emphasis on the love of God, on the caringness of God on his affections toward mankind on the the tenderness of God that we have forgotten our ABCs and our 123s that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in as you mentioned in Hebrews 
Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. We cannot forget grace. Grace is the foundation stone of, of our relationship to God, whereby we may serve God. But it doesn't stop there. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. In Isaiah, our reading today, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? And all through the, the Bible, all through the Old Testament, the Gospels, the New Testament, especially in Revelation, fear of the Lord. And there's something within us which says, well, yeah, that's if you're a non-believer. Okay. As a believer, we don't really have to have a fear of the Lord because we know He's our buddy. We know that He's our co-pilot. We know that whatever. But that's not what Scripture says. That's not what it says right here in Hebrews. We have to have a godly fear of the Lord. We're nothing. That's why I love the liturgy. That's why I was drawn to the liturgy. Because it, it keeps saying that we are miserable offenders. And we are. And that if not but by God's grace, moment after moment after moment, we would just be cast aside. And I think that that concept has been lost. I know it has. You go out in the world... They don't fear the Lord. They don't even believe in the Lord. But one reason why they don't is because the Christians don't have a fear of the God. Christians, How many Christians do you know, yourself, ourselves included, do things that we know are in total contradiction to what the Word tells us? And yet we still do it. Why? Because we say, well, we've got a little escape clause. We've got Jesus. And His grace is sufficient and all that. That's true, but nonetheless, we are not living, we are not walking, we are not breathing in that fear of the Lord. And I don't mean, although it does say with trembling, fear and trembling, for He's an all-consuming fire, I don't mean that we're afraid to do anything and, and, and that we think He's going to wipe us out at any moment and all that. But we're just a little bit too familiar with the God of the universe. Too familiar. And I think if we have a more godly fear, we will have a much more fervent desire to tell those out there who don't know the Lord, look, God's wrath is coming. God's wrath is upon you right this second. If you died this second, or if He came this second, that's it. But because we temper it with the fact that, well, he's a loving God, a caring God and all that. What did this loving, caring God do to his son to show his love? Cross. Cross. And in our gospel reading today, follow me and take up your cross. And as Susan was saying, we have to deny ourselves. We have to realize that it's all wood, hay, and stubble. It's all nothing. Totally got me thinking again about that whole concept of the fear of God. Now, before we approach this holy table, let us offer our prayers as the children of God and for others. Thank you, Father. Lord, we lift up. Jesus. Well, first of all, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for 
being able to be here to hear your word. And we do pray, Lord, that we would have those ears that can hear. Lord, that we are attuned to you, Lord, in listening in our inner being. We lift up so many, Lord, that have asked for our prayers this week. Lord, let this, this moment be precious. Let these next few moments that we draw together as your body, as we partake, Lord, of your body and blood, let it be life unto us, Lord. And when we leave here today, let us not just leave it behind, but let us carry it with us. That it is indeed life for us. And as we go forth, we go forth in recognition that you are still with us every much as then as you are now. The only thing that's changed, Lord, is maybe our consciousness of it. But you're no closer now than you would be then. Let us recognize that, Lord. Let us know that we live and breathe and have our existence and being in you at all times. We in you and you in us. Amen. Lord, in thy mercy. Hear our prayer. Now as our Lord and Savior has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Grant us We know that this is not some fable. This is not some fanciful thing that we do. Not something we do just because we have nothing else to do. 
Lord, we do it because it means something to us. We do it, Lord, because not only have you commanded us, but because we love you so much that we could not not do it. Lord, we thank you that you have allowed us to partake of, of you in this way. That you have given us a way here in this world of darkness to partake of you. A way of communing with you. A way of remembering, Lord, what you've done for us. But even more so, Lord, remembering who you are. Who you are. Lord, you asked who the men say that I am. Lord, we say that you are the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And we stress that word living. That, Lord, we pray that you are living right now here within us. That you are living right now here within our circumstances. And that in so doing, we might give life unto others. Lord, we do thank you for this Holy Communion. We thank you, Lord, for this communion of believers pray, Lord, that you would bless each and every one of us with a further knowledge and understanding of who you are as this week unfolds before us in thy holy name. Amen.